Welcome to this opportunity to study further into the book of Titus. In the first video in this series, we introduced the book of Titus, and we engaged in the study of Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In our study of the opening verses, we saw quickly the emphasis on knowing the truth God has revealed, embracing that truth through obedience to enjoy the hope of eternal life. Because of Jesus Christ, this response to God's plan brings salvation and hope to us and equips us to be people of good character, captured by the word godliness. Today, in this video, we continue at verse 5. Listen, please, Titus 1, verses 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or a violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. I said in our previous video of the book of Titus, the theme of sound doctrine is primary in this epistle. God gave to Paul healthy instruction on salvation and godly living, what to believe and teach and practice. Paul conveyed that message to men like Timothy and Titus, charging them to deliver that message just as they received it without revision or edits. In Titus and other passages, this is called sound doctrine, instruction from God for our good spiritual health that requires our commitment and unwavering obedience. It is important among Christians locally for there to be men who lead and help and make certain that sound doctrine is taught and practiced and that false teaching does not gain a hold on us. Here is something we studied in 1 Timothy. It comes up again here briefly that the men who are appointed to serve as elders need to be men who are spiritually mature, having demonstrated their faithfulness to God and their interest in, their loyalty to, sound doctrine, the teaching that we have in this book. And we will discover here the same thing we discovered in 1 Timothy, and that is the emphasis on good character. 
A man doesn't have to be highly educated in academia. He doesn't have to be what the world calls charismatic, nor does a man have to match every human perception of leadership. He must be God's man. That is a man who obviously is devoted to God. And that's the kind of man described here we've just read in Titus chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. There are two observations I need to make before we approach the details. Number one, I should like to remind us this is not just a cold mechanical checklist that is subject to all kinds of individual taste and a spin and all varieties of opinion and interpretation. This is a statement of the character of a man. Number two, I want to say, except for family requirements and aptitude to teach, these qualifications are simply the marks of good character every Christian ought to have as growth and maturity is pursued. We looked at these back when we studied 1 Timothy, but let's briefly navigate through these again. Above reproach. This doesn't mean the man has never been criticized about anything, but that there are no outstanding accusation against him. He is generally known to be a good man. The husband of one wife simply requires that God's law of marriage is honored by this man. God's law of marriage ought to be followed by everyone. His children are believers. This has to do with his spiritual oversight in his family and is clarified by the next phrase, and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. If your child's conduct, if your children's conduct is known to be unruly, rebellious, and disobedient, nobody can claim to have perfect children or be perfect themselves. But if children are known to be guilty of debauchery, like having wild parties and drinking, engaged in sexual activity before marriage, those matters distract and diminish a man's ability to be a spiritual leader until repentance is demonstrated. This is about a man's management of those in his home, the leadership he faithfully pursues in his home. Now, I want you to notice that terminology is important here in Titus 1, 5 through 9. Overseer has to do with the elder's oversight of the spiritual welfare of the flock. It is not just watching, but watching that is accompanied by care and action. God's steward takes us back to that important concept of stewardship we talk so much about in First and Second Timothy. The elder has received a charge from God, and he is to keep that charge. The people under his oversight belong to God. He is to keep that in mind throughout his service as an elder. There are negatives here in this passage. Not be arrogant. 
Now, a man needs to be bold in speaking the truth of God, but not ever assertive of himself over people just for the sake of having control. Never self-righteous, never domineering. Not be arrogant, not quick-tempered. Every one of us should guard against outburst of anger. James 1, 19 through 20, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And some of these negatives are very, very obvious to us. Not a drunkard. Uh, this can certainly be received and applied by all Christians. This is the typical New Testament mandate to be sober. The principle is sobriety. Not violent can also be applied to every one of us. You can't argue that since you're not an elder, you can be violent and drunkard. And then not greedy for gain. Covetousness destroys leadership. Covetousness really destroys spiritual leadership. <clears throat> and all Christians should have a firm resistance against greed and covetousness. Verse 8 takes us to imperatives. And the key word here is be. Men who are selected as spiritual leaders need to be as described here. Be hospitable. This is about responding to the needs of good people who need lodging and spiritual care. It is certainly all right and valuable to have people over for coffee or dinner in a social context. But in New Testament times, this wasn't the main thrust of hospitality. It wasn't just to have a good time. It was about being willing to sacrifice, to open your home and your provisions for Christians who needed lodging or help. A lover of good has broad application. Every Christian should be a lover of good, as good is defined in Scripture. Self-controlled is another imperative or character trait. God ought to see in every one of us, male and female, whatever our position or function, the Word of God within us enabling us to be self-controlled, well-disciplined, upright, is sometimes translated sensible or holy, and is a general description of a man's aim in life. Holy applies to all Christians, as written in Hebrews 12, 14, pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. <coughs> and then disciplined is about one's control and consistency and ability to react righteously to temptation and trial. What we have in these verses is a portrait given by the Holy Spirit of a good man who is qualified to be a leader of others, to be good, to be godly, and to resist false teaching. Paul knew these men were needed in the churches on the island of Crete, so he directed Titus to do his best to set this in order. All of this is very important for us. I will add, it might help us to think about some comparison between Ephesus and Crete. See, Timothy was in Ephesus, and they already had elders. 
a couple of statements in First and Second Timothy reflect that. So we take that into account when we read the passage in First Timothy 3 about elders and deacons. Titus is on the island of Crete where there were apparently no elders. Order had not been set. And it looks like in this context, the advancement of sound doctrine was under threat by an aggressive assault of false teachers. Therefore, the passage we studied in 1 Timothy 3 has more of a routine sound to it, and this passage has more of a tone of urgency because of the situation on Crete, on that island. So that is partly speculative on my part. I offer it for your consideration. I think verse 9 stresses the urgency factor. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. This verse is extremely important in designating this part of an elder's work. There are times when an elder must become directly involved in confrontation with error and sin and rebuke those who contradict sound doctrine. In most local churches, there is not something that happens in every assembly uh, all the time, but upon oca uh, occasion, someone comes in and their agenda is to contradict what the Bible teaches, to disturb, to lead disciples away from the right path. When that happens, elders, according to Titus 1.9, must step up and engage in this unpleasant but necessary task of rebuke. Now, the critical part of this is upon what basis the rebuke is issued. Notice carefully, holding firm to the trustworthy word as taught. When preachers and elders rebuke a sinner or a false teacher, it is not just an ordinary insulting accusation or telling people you don't like them. It is not just an assertion of authority. It is rebuke based on what Scripture says. Giving rebuke means citing Scripture, exposing contradictions by opening the Bible and reading the passages that address whatever the subject matter is about which there is conflict or contradiction. It is not a contest of wills or personalities. It is good men holding firm to the word and expressing that sin and error is not tolerated. It is by sound doctrine that rebuke and exhortation is issued. If you don't hear any scripture, no Bible is read, then perhaps no genuine rebuke has taken place. Some wrap-ups based on Titus 1, 5 through 9. The popular concept of plurality and tolerance destroys and dissolves local churches. When you have a local church and anything goes and anything can be said and anything can be taught, spiritual health is diminished. I also wanted to say that young men need to be carefully 
observant of this passage. There is a generational crisis that we need to be aware of, and every generation we become aware of it. What will happen when we're gone and the younger men come up? So every young man needs to be very careful to observe what this passage teaches. And I say again, all the desirable characteristics described in the Bible need the attention of every single Christian. Next time, we'll be in Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. We are the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. Thank you for watching this video.